1: What is going on, Roto-Grinders? It's 9 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Of course, that means it's the NFL Pick 6. That's a six, pick 6 show. That's a lot of... Uh, that's just, a, it's just 2, I guess, but whatever. It, can, we, can we do this again, Devin? Oh, wait, we're doing it live? We're doing it live. Uh, I'm Dean. Uh, Dean 7904 if you want to get all technical on me as far as the DFS streets. It is week 13 where we've reached the quarter pole. You'd think I would know how to introduce the show at this point. Apparently, I have not. Uh, I can introduce my comrades. So we'll do a lot better than me, I imagine. Uh, batting first you got rich rebar of course you know him from sharp football analysis rich uh you know we survived the thanksgiving slate we survived the longest slate in uh in the entire history of the nfl i imagine with that spectacular pittsburgh baltimore game ending earlier today and uh you know any thoughts of looking back or you want to talk about week 13 and go forward
2: oh man week 12 just ended literally an hour ago <laughs> uh and it's already week 13 you know i am the prize and we're you know i've already written up Every game but two already for this week, so yeah, we might as well talk some week thirteen and look ahead. We were hot last week, so we might as well keep it riding.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we got to finish strong for sure. Uh, lucky week number thirteen, John John Daigle from uh, Roto World also joining us as he does normally. Just found out he's going to be joining me on Sunday, and not this upcoming Sunday, but apparently next Sunday. At least that's a tentative spot. Of course, we go live uh, three hours before lock. Uh, hit the like button on YouTube, subscribe, you know the whole deal. Hit all the bell, the bells, the whistles, the buttons, and everything. Let's it. Let you know about all notifications. John, uh, I, I was saying to you before the show started, like, I don't like this slate. You know, we got 11 games. Uh, well, we should say we talk about the main slate, obviously, on bye. Still two more teams on bye, Carolina and Tampa. We don't talk about them. Sunday night, Denver and KC. Uh, not talking about them. Monday night, double header: No Dallas, no Baltimore, no Buffalo versus San Francisco. In Arizona, that could be a fun game for sure. Unfortunately, not in the main slate. And then I think, what is it, Washington and Pittsburgh? Is that the other game that's going on? That's like we're pretending it's not going to, it's happening in a forest and it doesn't make right. any sounds.
3: Is that what's happening there? Correct. Stop. The doubleheader Monday night. We will have a two game slate to look forward to. But for this one, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's a lot like two weeks ago where you could afford to pay down at quarterback. Justin Herbert, I believe, in that double stack against the Jets, ended up winning the slate. But there was a reason we were discussing Andy Dalton in that slate mm. against the Vikings because there weren't many top options at quarterback. And that seems a lot like this week. Uh, you have you have Mahomes off the main slate on Sunday night. Kyler uh, has a bum shoulder. Josh Allen plays on Monday night. And Russ is regressing while Seattle's offense is choosing to run the ball more. So, really, it seems like another week to cheapy quarterbacks and ancillary bums that we like on this show. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot of them along the way.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, if, I mean, yeah, my, my early take. My, my early take on this this week in general, and I know a lot of people, it's the last week of the fantasy regular season out leagues. It's the last week in the FFC, FFPC playoffs before the big dance. I think it's going to be a low scoring fantasy week this week. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I'm looking at this layout because I always look at the quarterbacks when I'm doing my weekly rankings to start the week, and it gives me a good feel of like, yeah, these quarterbacks are all in a good spot. These offenses are in good spots. This week I don't get that feeling. Mahomes is in a good spot. Rodgers has been Rodgers, but the rest of the quarterbacks, the top dogs, all have some warts this week. I mean, John hit on Ross. I mean, Deshaun Watson just lost Will Fuller. Josh Allen's playing a 49ers defense that's way better defending the intermediate game uh, than the than the vertical game and Josh Allen has been awful in the vertical game the past six weeks. Kyler is not running. What's going on with his shoulder? Uh, Justin Herbert's versus New England. They've only allowed three rookie quarterbacks in Bill Peljack's history to have 20 fantasy points against them. Is Lamar gonna play? Is he? You know, that's a good spot against the Cowboys. Uh, we just saw Ben Roethlisberger kind of meander through a game, uh, and it's gonna be another day game for them, kind of. Uh, What the hell is Taysom Hill? Is he just New Orleans Cam Newton? I mean, it's 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 I'm looking at these quarterbacks and there are not a lot of quarterbacks that stand out. And that's what usually drives the week, because you say these quarterbacks are me in all good spots. And even if we don't want to play them uh, and we don't go down to them in fantasy, uh, that's what drives uh, you know us for still uh, 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 the scoring for every week is how good these quarterbacks play.
1: Yeah, and running my my optimals on a Wednesday night, obviously things change. We saw it last week, whatever. And we put out some good information last week, but I'm sure a lot of it changed. I uh, went one Sunday hit, obviously, and you know who knows 2020 what's going to happen in these next several days. Uh, but this is we can only work with what we have here on a Wednesday night. But uh, you know, hopefully we get some good information to people. And you mentioned uh, the Wilson thing. What was the quote? Pete Carroll was talking about the magic number is 50. You want to have 50 combined completions and rush attempts. Uh, that's what helps you win games in the year 2020. Because he credits that to Vince Lombardi, and like you know, good for Vince Lombardi. But like, you can't. The game is involved. What are we doing here? What is that? Is that for real? What's going to happen? Is he not going to cook anymore? We're going to order some Uber Uber Eats.
3: Football coaches, man, they yeah. are such a disaster. Oh yeah,
1: it's, it was a good run. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. That that really is too bad. Uh, what we do in this show, we focus on three main games, and then we, uh, you know, after we knock out the three main games on the eleven to, the eleven game main slates. Then we'll branch out. We'll kind of run it back as, our, as far as a uh, you know cleaning up other quarterbacks. We liked it. We're not in those three main games. Some uh, running backs, receivers. I would say tight ends. We'll we'll name a couple of tight ends. I don't think we'll like them, but we'll probably name some, I suppose. And yeah, Rich, what you were saying basically as far as the slate, speaking to the whole context of the slate, is the number one uh, total on the board is the Cleveland Browns at the Tennessee Titans. And like, I don't know, it's a fifty-four, which is a big number. Tennessee, a five and a half point favorite. We saw Henry; he was an absolute monster last week. He can do it. You know, any given week, obviously, and it's December. I'm told like he's unstoppable in December. That's the, that's what people say. Uh, he changes. Uh, I don't. I don't know that December like November splits, and I know people think that's a thing. Do you, do you think it's a thing? Out of curiosity, is that a thing or is that just nonsense? Rich, uh, me, oh, yeah. Um, I think
2: it's probably more happenstance. I mean, remember, Derrick Henry's really only been uh, a full-time running back for one season and plus a December. So that's what's kind of driven his stats. You know, remember two years ago he was playing behind Deion Lewis up until the last month of the season. (laughs) And then last year was like his first real season as like a full-time running back. So, I mean, we really only have on Derrick Henry's sample, like basically right now, like a 30-game sample of his as a full-time running back. So a lot of his stats are probably a little bit skewed uh, from like workload and like just, you know, back-end stuff. But, uh, I mean, he's been good all year. What do we need December for? He's already been good.
3: (laughs) So I didn't. I didn't play him last week because it was November. Like I played him last week because it <laughs> was December. <laughs> yeah, he was leveraged. It was November 29th, actually. Uh, he was leveraged off Dalvin Cook, and he was also a unique way to stack the game once Jonathan Taylor got ruled out because everyone was going to one-off Naheem Hines or Jordan Wilkins. So I was like, oh, I can double leverage this spot with Derrick Henry also – against a Colts front seven missing two of their top interior defenders that's why I played him I don't give a damn about the month
1: uh I think one of the big decision points as far as this slate and then I mean I'm probably gonna grab shares of both I assume I am uh you know Diggle, what do you think as far as Henry the matchup here uh, against Cleveland and then you got Dalvin Cook who I presume he's going to be fine and good to go versus Jacksonville if you can only plant the flag in one of those two uh who, who do you prefer
3: for me, it's probably still Derrick Henry. And, again, don't care about the month. It's the fact that he's now averaged 29 touches in back-to-back games. As I know we don't think this matters, but, like, Deontay Foreman was coming in the game. He's been injured, and he's been coming in the game and taking touches away. Uh, Derrick Henry's still not getting much passing volume, one5 Uh, receptions per game, so three total receptions the past two weeks. But overall, we know even though they have been poor on early downs, that's what this team does. That's what they're going to do. And again, this total has been bet up. It didn't open as the highest. It got bet up to the highest. So there's clearly sharp money coming in on the game environment overall. That's what led us to I believe we discussed the Browns team total last week. Um, they were bet up to 29 points, so you had to have exposure somewhere. And again, this Titans team total got bet up two points as the week has gone on as well, so you have to have exposure somewhere. I, the Browns have historic, this year, been a pass funnel more or less, and they will be getting Miles Garrett back. So an, a pivot perhaps to Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown is, is really interesting if the field comes in on Derrick Henry, but the touches at least we know we're going to be there for Henry.
1: Rich, your thoughts on that as far as the Tennessee offense?
2: Yeah, I mean you look at Henry and the the last three power backs the Browns have faced: James Conner, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson. All those guys have gone over a uh, hundred yards on them, and we know what Henry is and what and what he's going to get. I mean, I still look at both these guys, though Henry and Chubb, and you know they are the Spider Man meme. They've been priced yeah. up. Uh, I mean, I mean, if these guys don't score. You're still holding the bag uh, for sure on both of these players. Uh, and, you know, so you need touchdowns when you pay this kind of, you know, kind of salary equity. It is a tricky week because it's really Dalvin Cook and then a, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump to anybody you really want to play uh, outside of these guys who have been really good. I mean, Nick Chubb has been phenomenal. I mean, his, he's played his past five full games. I mean, he's gone over 100 yards with six touchdowns. Uh, he is just wrecking. I mean, we always talk about yards for carry doesn't matter, but there's a point where yards for carry does matter. When you like it's like Jamal Charles's career yards for carry, they mattered. Nick Chubb's career yeah. yards for carry and what he's doing, they matter. They're they're a signal. Uh we could say we don't like yards for carry as a stat, but uh Nick Chubb's yards for carry, they absolutely matter. He's had one game this season where he's averaged uh fewer than 5.6 yards per carry. The guy is popping runs and long runs, and he's popping runs that the game get, goes on. Uh I mean he's been he's been awesome. It just depends what kind of split we can get. Uh Kareem Hunt's actually been pretty poor. Uh, from like a, a fantasy result stance, uh, he's only been a top thirty scorer in two of his past six games, uh, and, th- and that inclu- includes a handful of games without Nick Chubb. Uh, so I mean, he really hasn't been getting there. Uh, he does still get like goal line carries and gets used. But it's really interesting. But I mean, these guys, this game is the Spider-Man meme. I mean, you look at hmm. we have a team that runs the most on first downs outside the fourth quarter, and the team that runs the, the is third in run rate. They're the top two teams in twelve personnel in the NFL in this game. I mean, it's crazy to think of what these teams want to do and how they inherently want to play this game. And it's got the highest total on the game slate, and, and it's going up. Uh, it's really crazy to think about that because it doesn't really it, it's kind of counterintuitive, uh, but the Browns like they went that month of just playing in poor weather and on bye, that mm-hmm. we forgot that their defense is awful. Like, their sure. defense is horrendous. Dude, they were getting marched down the field by Mike Glennon uh, repeatedly. Keelan Cole had, like, two walk-in touchdowns. And if you played Keelan Cole, I'm sorry. He had, like, I two did. walk-in touchdowns that Glennon missed him on early in that game. But Colin Johnson, it looks like Calvin Johnson last week <laughs> in this game. They've got guys wide open. They're, they do Garrett back to pressure the quarterback, but uh, their back end is banked up. No Denzel Ward still in this game. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting um, when you look at this game too because A.J. Brown's like another one of these guys, like he doesn't make any damn sense really. Like he's just really good. That's really all we can say. That's what makes sense is that A.J. Brown is really awesome. I mean, you look at since he's come back, he's 13th in wide receivers and targets, 21st in receptions. He's in expected points, he's 20th. But he's got—he's he, sixth in yardage. He's third in touchdowns over that span. He scored in seven of his eight games. Uh, he he's, he's hasn't he's had four, four more, or more than four catches in a game since week six. But he's just he gets there every week. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. He shouldn't be, but he's just an efficiency outlier, man. I mean, you just sometimes you just have to bite the bullet with these guys and just understand that they're unicorns. And that's kind of what his teammate Derrick Henry is, too. So they've got a pair of unicorns on this roster. Uh, AJ Brown just keeps getting there, too, on low volume and,
1: and splash plays. Also, and then back- one outside kicks, yeah.
3: John. One game he didn't that one game he didn't score against the Colts in week 10. He dropped the 50 yard touchdown from Ryan oh, Daniel yeah. So like that shouldn't have even been an outlier spot for him.
1: Yeah, John. So talk about Cleveland and like uh you know, like Rich was saying, like we basically had not seen this offense since Beckham got hurt in a healthy environment. We get we finally saw it last week. Uh Landry thrived. Chubb seems to be separating himself to some degree you know, against Hunt and more justifying the difference in in, in price and asking price 7-7 for Chubb, 5-4 for Hunt. That's DK specific. I'm also going to throw this out there. You're going to hear a lot of people say this in DFS, and I understand it makes sense from a correlation and it's negative correlation and all that, and maybe it hurts the ceiling to some degree. They're going to say you can't play two running backs in the same game. I think you can. Like, I think – I mean, look, you're you're trying to be different sometimes, and people are going to run it back with, like, Landry and Henry, or they're going to have Chubb uh, and and Brown. I think you you can just play Chubb and Henry together. Like, they're there's a world where they both absolutely smash. So I, I'm, I'm going to throw that rule out. I understand why that rule's in place, but I'm just going to say I'll throw it out. Uh,
3: I, I, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, we now have six games with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt together, and in the last five, so you remove week one, that negative game script, early negative game script as well against the Ravens, and Baker Mayfield has thrown fewer than 30 pass attempts in his last five with both running backs together. Even last week, 29 attempts. We know what this offense wants to do, and that is run the ball with both of their backs. Last week, as Rich mentioned, it was a full month, literally, because (laughs) they had the win game in Cleveland, a bye week, another win game against Houston and in the rain game against Philadelphia, literally a full month. And since we had seen Cleveland's offense do what they do. And in that game, Jarvis Landry got a 40% target share. He's been really since Odell Beckham went out, the only player still that Baker's looking to, but again, the volume won't be there. And unlike Kirk cousins, who we'll talk about later at another portion of this show, uh, even when volume has been there, Baker has not really been that efficient and uh, hasn't been efficient on little volume this year as well. Well. so I I still I understand there is a path for Baker to to win tournaments this week but I don't think I would be on it even though it is a wonky position this week
1: does anybody want to sell me in one of the tight ends here tight ends just terrible again this week no Kelsey in the main slate uh tight end depth tight, tight end just way. been a disaster all season long sure Hooper can get a touchdown sure Johnny can get a touchdown but like I don't know if Johnny doesn't play Firkster is definitely in play
2: at 25 and men. Uh, he's already been getting, basically getting more catches than him. Uh, if, if Johnny John didn't practice today, uh, so we'll, you know, keep tabs on it, but, uh, he would be in play if Johnny's out. Uh,
3: I was, if, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Oh, John! Yeah, Jonu had that one game this year against the Texans where he was out, and Ferkser actually finished with a uh, team highs mm-hmm. and targets, and then also spiked a touchdown. Like honestly, that would that would make my week for me because I think I would double stack Ryan Tannehill, avoid Derrick Henry, and go with AJ Brown and or if Jonu Smith was getting rolled out. That'd make it so easy.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I can get Ferkser a 2.5k and he puts up like his eight or nine points or something like that, I'd be thrilled to lock that in. I mean, of course, he can get a zero as well. Uh, like everything, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. If you guys are watching us on Thursday or Friday, whatever, uh, stay tuned to the news. Uh, it's very, very fluid this year, more so this year than it has been in other years. <laughs> uh, Rich, you got anything else this game before we move on? Ah, uh, no, that's pretty cool. Do we like, a Hunt is just sort of whatever, like are, we, are we, we're we souring on him?
2: I just don't know how you get there, man. Like he at his price, like you still probably need multiple trips to the box. Uh, maybe I mean I'm not gonna talk anyone out of it, but I'm not. He's not gonna be in my player pool. And I, I used him on. Okay.
3: I was to say I used Hunt on DK last week, but only as an ownership play. Like uh, Nick Chubb came in at higher, and I was like, well, if. Hunt is fifteen hundred dollars cheaper, like he was last week. Then why wouldn't I play Hunt if he's coming in at lower ownership? That makes sense. But again, like Chubb just routed him, so uh, well, maybe it's a little thing- one week PTSD. But.
2: Well, the one thing people keep getting on is the, you know, Hunt's usage, you know, near the goal line, which is true, but he's also been worse at the goal line. So when you're bad at the goal line, you get more carries on subsequent downs. You know, it's the, you know, it's kind of how Chubb was last year. Remember, like that Buffalo game, he had like eight carries from inside the five, and people kept citing his inside the five stats all year. And it's like, well, he only had those eight carries because he got, kept getting stoned on those. They were just one, it was first down, second down, third down. It wasn't like he had them spread out over eight games from the one-yard line he didn't get in. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of what we've had with Chubb a little bit or Hunt a little bit.
1: All right, moving on, Rams versus the Cardinals, 48-and-a-half is the total. The The Rams are three-point favorites here in Arizona. And, well, John, I guess we'll start with uh, Murray. And, you know, he had a shoulder. He had, I think, his worst game of the week last year, only ran the ball five times as well, didn't get in the box. Uh, worst fantasy output, uh, output as well against the Englands. Uh, how concerned are we about it? Is that causation? Is that small sample size? Or we just we just not
3: know? I'd say I'm pretty, but also because defenses are playing him differently. Uh, Ten total carries the past two games, five in each. In that span, he has four runs for minus one yards on zone reads because, according to him, defenders have been told to play play only him and force him to hand the ball off to running backs. And then, of course, in the past month, their last four games, Murray has been blitzed on 40% of his dropbacks, where he was only blitzed on 17% in Arizona's first seven games. So honestly, it's a combination of the shoulder, dumping off the running backs more, and then defenses and playing him completely different. So, And and this Rams defense, of course, is one that I have come around to respect, although I did not the first few games. Um, clearly, they are playing very well, even stoning Nick Mullen until the final two drives where the 49ers just called up some beautiful plays and tied the game on two field goals. So I think it's a miserable spot for Arizona, actually.
1: Rich, your thoughts as far as Arizona as a whole offensively? Yeah, I mean, this is a game when you see team-wise that we should be excited
2: about. And we know there is an outcome in this game where it does pop. Um, But also when you look at this game, uh, both these teams have had eight of their 11 games this season go under the game total. Uh, that's the highest rate in the league. They're both tied for that. So they don't tend to play a lot of games that pop. I mean, the Rams are just a, a weird team, anyways. Because they're the Rams actually are kind of like the new Patriots, man, in a way. Like they have really a, they like go week to week and change what they do. Their their outcome is is totally different. Like they don't try to do the same stuff every week, especially defensively. Like Dagle talked about. Um, but they've done this a, a little bit, you know, recently. We've seen it in the Tampa Bay game where they just came out and just threw. They're were like, "We're gonna come out and throw every play," uh, you know. Uh, so it's been interesting to see what they do here because the Cardinals do blitz a lot. Uh, this is not the same team that you know Jared Goff torched both games last year. It's not the same defense at all. Uh, this Arizona defense has been re- respectable. Uh, they've allowed more than two touchdown passes in just one game this season. Uh, you know, and Jared Goff's a guy that we're always pretty sketchy on getting us there anyways. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, obviously, everyone and their grandma cited Robert Woods' stats against Patrick Peterson already this week. Um, but you know, he's just been a better outright play than Cooper Cup so far in general. Uh, he's got more touchdowns. He gets more end zone targets. I mean, Cooper Cup has been an all-or-nothing player. I mean, he's been now the wide receiver 33 or lower in PPR scoring in seven of his 11 games this season. He's been all-or-nothing outside of those wide receiver one week. So he either hits or he doesn't. Um, last week was a bad spot for him. He historically is bad against the Niners. And like I kind of hit it up on Josh Allen. The Niners are really good against teams that only can throw intermediately. We've seen them shut down Drew Brees a couple weeks ago. And granted, you know, there was an injury there. But look at their splits versus the deep ball. And intermediate and that's where the, like the Rams just it was symmetry last week I bet the Niners uh, because of that and they hit and they they won outright which was cool a little humble brag but uh that's why Cooper Cup didn't get off <laughs> last week and you look at his history against the 49ers Cooper Cup has never done good because that defense is built to stop the, the intermediate and shallow pass uh so i mean you, you know they have, they have, they're going to it's a different defense this week um i think robert woods is just a better play but i don't think we need to cite his splits versus patrick peterson i just think he's been a better player than cooper cup this year in totality uh and is their best
1: target you were uh you were talking about the rams being like the patriots and it's like you know one of the things that the patriots though is like historically it's annoying trying to figure out which running back to play or which oh boy we're there <laughs> yeah i mean i don't it looks like Akers is the best at least he was last week and obviously there's some draft equity there and but you know, this is like the Colts, you know, trying to figure out their usage. And uh, could you, Dago? I think you're the one to pick this game, uh, the feature. And then, to be fair, it wasn't. It's, we had to pick three, <laughs> so this is one of the three. It's a dome, uh, you know. But uh, Selby on one of these running backs. Do you care about the running backs, or you're on the receivers? Well, what do we like in this game?
3: I mean. Cam Akers was more explosive last week. I would imagine he gets more touches, but does that make him the featured guy? No, because they're still going to use all three. I mean, since Daryl Henderson came back from the bye week with that quad injury he went into there with, he's averaged two yards per carry, like 25 carries for 55 yards. It's been miserable. Um, Cam Akers has been the best player. Having said that, he's still getting out-snapped. Um, Malcolm Brown is still running more routes and Daryl Henderson still getting more carries, honestly. So I think the usage changed, but does the usage change enough for me to gamble and put acres in my tournament pool and try to be it ahead of the usage? I don't think so right now. Although the running back spot is it's very hard to find like confident options. You're uh, cheap options. You're confident in this week.
2: Yeah. Malcolm Brown leads the NFL in, in third down touches. Like that role is his, wow. like it's, uh, that's the thing. So, I mean, it, that, yes. that, that role is, that role is locked up. So even if Akers cuts into Henderson, there's still, it, I mean, it's complete it. Like it's, it's, it's a bummer, but it, it's where we are. Uh, Akers definitely, has, he's gotten the box the past two weeks, which helps, but, uh, and he had the long run, but you look at his touches, there's still not anything I think you really want
1: to buy into. Uh, The other side, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake at 22 uh, 22 carries last week. He did get in the box a couple times as well. Also saw four targets, five the previous week, uh, which is a nice uptick, I suppose. Is that going to continue? Edmonds uh, is the one that we all want to, that's the people's champ. We want to make Edmonds the guy, but, you know, we're not making the calls out there. And it seems like it's still Drake's job, but nobody wants to play Drake. Or what are we doing here, Rich? Well, it's really Kenyon
2: Drake, his performance is basically exactly how it's been all year. You know, there was a there was a little bit there where we thought Edmonds was gonna overtake Drake and then we had the injury and we we're like, here it is, and it's gonna be Edmonds the rest of the year. He's gonna and then Drake didn't miss as many times, he just missed the one game and they had a bye week. So he missed one game, came back, and he's just shut the door on Edmonds again. Fifty seven touches to twenty-seven touches since returning. The difference uh, he still he's scoring touchdowns so it's, it's just all touchdown dondorate I and you look at the past two games i mean, 22 carries for 78 yards 11 carries for 29 yards but you score touchdowns those lines look a little bit different when you don't score touchdowns and you're finishing as the rb30 every week everyone's up in arms like they were for The first five weeks of the season, Um, but he scored some touchdowns and had some of that deodorant kind of mask mask his performance, but they've gone right back to using those backs the way they did to start the year, Um, which is a bummer because I think all of us want Chase Edmonds to play a little bit more than he does. But there's just the the amount of touches just aren't there. It's a shot in the dark that you get a touchdown. And even if you get a touchdown, uh, it's probably not coming attached to a lot of yardage.
1: Yeah, uh, speaking of guys that we all want to see play, at least uh, I know DFS Twitter does Andy. Andy Isabella he got a shot last week. Do we know with uh, what, what Fitzgerald if he's gonna be back this week? As far as uh, well, he'll I be football? eligible. Okay, all right. So then Isabella just him back out of his – I see. But to be baby. determined. Okay, yeah, it's Wednesday night. We don't know just yet. I guess we should mention Hopkins. Like Hopkins, you can always play Hopkins. Are we prioritizing him though?
3: I mean, no, Hopkins has bit Oh, go ahead. Go on. No, go for it. I was going to say, Hopkins is part of the shoulder narrative. (laughs) Um, uh, 15 targets in his last two games, uh, whereas Kenyon Drake, like yes, like Rich said, living off touchdowns, but also like Kenyon Drake, 11 targets in total before these past two weeks with the shoulder narrative, and now he's had nine targets in the past two games. So it seems like it's taken away from Hopkins and gone to Kenyon Drake in that span. Um, So I don't think prioritizing – I think there are quite a few good receivers on this slate, actually. So personally, I will not be.
1: You got anything else in this game that's worth talking about, Daniel, or shall I move on and talk about Colts-Texans? Unless Reeves does, I'm good to go. that sounds good. All right, Colts-Texans, 51 is the total. The Texans are three and a half point dogs here. uh, And I kind of referenced it before, and I know we talked about it previously. You know, Rich, I just don't like playing the Colts, uh, especially with the receiving options. Uh, no target shares. We saw Hilton have a nice game last week. Pittman, you know, is probably my favorite play. If you're going to force me to pick somebody, uh, Taylor. I do. We presume Taylor's going to be back. I think the situation was his girlfriend. He's back. Okay, he's, he's good. Back. He's good to go. He, okay. did,
2: he wasn't a positive test. It was just he was on COVID IR for tracing.
1: Okay, so is Jonathan Taylor against this Houston defense? This is like another question. It's like a deja vu. Is it going to be who who gets the path here? Because Wilkins is still lurking. Hines, of course, you know, can get some run, but of course, he uh, will catch the ball seven or eight or nine times sometimes as well. Uh, But Taylor seems like a good option here, and I'm not sure about David Johnson the other side. As far as David versus Duke, Uh, that's a conversation we'll have uh, later on in the week because David Johnson, I think, is still up in the air. Talking about the Colts' backfield.
2: Yeah, I think this is a good spot uh for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we've seen him in a similar spot right before he had to be ineligible to play last week against the Packers uh at home in a dome, uh you know, get 26 touches, 22 carries and four targets uh for 114 yards and have his better game, uh, one of his better games this season, definitely his best game in like the previous six weeks. Uh, it was the first time he led the backfield in touches since week 6. The staff has already come out and said Jordan Wilkins is pretty banged up right now, uh, which is a signal that they kind of don't want him touches. Jordan Wilkins has also been pretty bad recently, uh, so that could also be part of it as well. Um, and then you look at Naheem Hines. I mean, he, Naheem Hines popped in a primetime game for us, so, like, we'll never forget. And he also did a backflip, a really dope backflip off of a touchdown, so we'll, we'll never forget. But, like, he's averaged more than three yards per carry in just one of his past ten games. Like, he's not a traditional running back. Like, he's a, he's a passing down back. He's not a traditional lineup and give the ball to in the running game, and that's what you want to do against the Houston Texans. I mean, this is the they're the, they're the worst rushing defense in the NFL and EPA by a pretty good margin. Um, they've allowed the most uh, offensive or most explosive yards uh, in the run game in the NFL this season. The ghost of Adrian Peterson ruined the Thanksgiving slate because of the Houston Texans allowing him to plunge in the end zone twice. Um, I think he's a good play, and I think the game script now is going to play out in favor of the Colts because of this Deshaun Watson, you know, Will Fuller, you know, disengagement. Um, I think that's a great bounce-back spot for the Colts, uh, especially with getting all those defensive players back that weren't ineligible to play last week. Uh, no Will Fuller on the field. Uh, Dagle can talk about, you know, Will Fuller's absence and what that means. Uh, but I do think that Jonathan Taylor is a pretty strong, you know, option on this slate.
1: Ah, I muted myself. How unprofessional. I'm blaming it all what on what the – appearance appears by Devin,
3: by the way. Special
1: appearance. <laughs> That's Devin. There you go. He keeps the ship afloat. Much appreciated, Devin. Uh hit the like button for Devin. Sure. Why not? Like, subscribe, the whole deal, hit all the buttons. Um, yeah, feel free, Dave, if you have any thoughts as far as Taylor. But yeah, uh Will Fuller is done for the year because he was taking some sort of PED. Always I mean, Brandon Cooks is gonna be crazy, crazy heavily owned this week, and he feels like a really strong chalk play, but he's also an interesting like tournament fade because brandon cooks is guy traditionally does not get loose like for you know 200 yards and two or something like that but he is pretty cheap uh just a kind of interesting conversation as far as figuring how to build uh build lineups this week but i like him for cash obviously and then there's kiki cutie a person named steven mitchell that's a person i'm told uh i have not seen proof of life but i i imagine he'll be wearing a uniform uh what, what are your thoughts here john talk me through these
3: texans uh receiving core i have So many. So, (laughs) Sean Watson obviously has averaged a yard and a half fewer yards per attempt, 8.7 to 7.2, and 18 career games without Will Fuller. And in those games, of course, he had DeAndre Hopkins. Now he has the batch of guys that you talked about, also rookie Isaiah Coulter, big plays A, as they called him at Rhode Island, who also only played against small school only played against small school competition as well. So a ragtag group of guys just out there running routes for Watson. I I don't know if Watson can fail. Like I I really don't. Um, But if he can, this would certainly be a spot he would do it with Brandon Cooks as your number one receiver, of course. So I don't mind Brandon Cooks as a chalk play. QT still has a high floor, but is he a guy that's going to break the slate? I don't think so. He's just a slot guy uh, who's playing for Randall Cobb. Cobb and Fuller, of course, still vacate 11.6 targets per game for this offense, and where did those trickle down to? I'm more inclined to play Jordan Aikens since there's less opportunity cost in playing a tight end um, among the rest of these group of receivers, and I won't imagine, you could be wrong, you can look it up on your end, I wouldn't think Aikens catches a lot of ownership after his poor performance on Thanksgiving, he doesn't even it. he did have two big end zone targets. One, well, one, he was outthrown. Like, that was a fingertip catch. <laughs> Don't blame that. The other one, Chihiro went up and grabbed it. Yes, he instead tried to allow it to fall into his lap. Uh, young guy mistake, whatever the case. There's just to roster a cheap tight end who could soak up these targets as opposed to wasting a spot at wide receiver over everyone goes to that player. I would much rather do that, take Akins and just get out of the situation.
1: Oh man, Jordan's uh Jordan Aiken's on Thanksgiving out there looking like Venus to Milo, man. No hands at all. <laughs> 17% uh, uh, right now on Fanduel. This is like my I ran 300 optimals on a Wednesday night, so you know, grain of salt, yada yada yada. But he's right there with the Tyler Hick, the likes of Tyler Higby. Evan Ingram uh is getting 48% in the optimals for what it's worth. Uh, that's, that's not specific. Optimal. Yeah, I mean, hey, no, <laughs> nobody playing with Clayton
2: Thorson or Colt McCoy is optimal on any level. Producer Devin's going to get, he's going to make a second
1: appearance. That's like his favorite players. He's going to be very angry. <laughs> he, he loves him <laughs> some Evan Ingram. He must have won him some money sometime. And he's been pretty, he's been pretty good, especially compared oh, he to He was a great peers. play last week. Yeah, uh, I'm running the optimals right now on DK for what it's worth. But jump in here, Rich. What are your thoughts as far as the Washington uh, receiving core? Well, yeah, they yeah and the Houston side.
2: Yeah, I mean, Daigle covered it pretty yeah. well. I mean, people forget that Brandon Cooks is like one of the most precocious performing wide receivers like in history. The dude's only twenty seven years old, and in his you know first five years in the league, he went over a thousand yards in four of those years with three different quarterbacks and three different teams. Like he play, and like he's he's objectively the guy you want to look to first. That you say like, well, where do these targets go? Well, to the good player. <laughs> these other guys might not be good. One of these guys is an actually good player, uh, and it's Brandon Cooks, and that's why Dean said, you know, we'll have the you'll know, have he'll be chalky and he'll be popular. He already has a twenty-four percent team target share over the past seven games, though. Like, where could that go? Uh, you know, maybe get maybe you get a point or two, or you know, get to twenty-seven percent, twenty-eight percent. But like, is Brandon Cooks me a guy they give fifteen targets to? You? Probably not. I mean, it's you know I I would doubt it, uh, and also remember too the Colts just are, like are one of the heaviest zone coverage teams in the NFL. Like the fact that uh, they're going to give up a lot of big plays probably isn't going to happen anyways. Um, and you know since Matt Eberflus has been there, Kiki Q T actually does have two 11 catch games against the Colts because uh, they play so much zone. Uh, granted that was in a different offense and different offensive climate and Kiki QT was actually getting the ball, but uh, you know, he does have that, you know, kind of an out as a slot receiver matched up against this defense and the style that they play with uh, as opposed to a team that's going to give up a lot of big plays. So I don't think whoever fills in for Fuller in that role, whether it be Steven Mitchell or Coulter are really options that are are really going to pop just because it's not the Colt style. Um, But yeah, I mean, all the rest of this, this ground has pretty much been covered. No one wants to play David Johnson, even if he's (laughs) back. Uh, You hit a bond, Phil Rivers. Uh, Listen, a bunch of people are going to tell you that T.Y. Owen is amazing against the Colts, and he's destroyed the (laughs) Colts over his career, which is pretty true, but the last time they played he also had 18 yards. So, like, um, the one last thing to worry about in this game, and I mentioned Jonathan Taylor and really liking him, is we do have to kind of monitor this dumbass thing that they're doing now, Jacoby Brissett, and if they're going to start sneaking Jacoby Brissett on the one-yard line, like, that's a problem for everybody. That's not good for anybody involved. If he's gonna be like this, this dude like Tim Rattay that comes in on the one yard line and starts sneaking the ball on the goal line, like I don't want. No one wants any part of this, Frank Reich.
1: <laughs> so I, I ran three hundred optimals on DK. By the way, you kind of asked for it. You're gonna love this. Uh, Brandon Cooks, what it's worth a landing in fifty nine percent. Fifty nine percent. That's no surprise. Uh, tight ends number one, Jordan Akins, sixty uh, three percent. <laughs> yeah brief it's good well i mean look it, he's super cheap and he's gonna yeah. get a couple more you know balls thrown his way and uh who else are you gonna play basically the, the optimal saying you know get as cheap as possible in there you know get get, get 10 points and run away
3: uh all right I could, yeah go ahead I, I could also perhaps get talked into michael pittman honestly um ty hilton as rich said did all of his uh, damage and garbage time. Every target catch and touchdown came in the second half when they were down 35-14, to 14, whereas Pittman still led the team in routes run as he's done the past month and had nine targets. So, like, the production was not there, I understand, but the usage and on-field usage was So we'll see how ownership shakes out. I-, I could change it on Sunday morning, but I could actually see having Pittman in my DK uh, player pool. And Bradley Roby also
2: suspended was one of the guys.
1: Yeah. Correct. Um do we know
2: what he, what he took? I mean, I don't know, does it matter? I mean, it's, you know, I, I Brian saw- Cushing is the strength and conditioning
1: coach, so oh yeah, that, that makes so much
2: sense yeah. right
3: there. <laughs> He's
1: got a little Bill Romanowski in him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I wasn't aware of that, but that, they, that definitely checks out. What do you have for John?
3: They told Roby that he has to read um one manscape to read the entire rest of this. Yeah. I don't it's a like five game. Five games, so uh, I gotta go, guys. Yeah, well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, th- does anybody want to talk about the rest of the Colts? Like, just sort of like we, t- we talk about Pittman, talk about Hilton. Uh, of course, they have their slew of tight ends as well. Uh, you know, just for fun, they're having the backup the backup quarterback running in there and siphoning touchdowns as well too. It's oh. just, I don't know what to do with this team. I throw my hands up every single week, but I do agree, and I, I, I you know, I'm tentative in saying I like
3: I like Jonathan Taylor at least on a Wednesday night. I... I, yeah. I will play Jonathan Taylor. Like I'm I'm very confident I will play Jonathan Taylor this week. All right. Uh you got to wait for
2: that Jacoby percent sneak in like, <laughs> the first quarter. God. Oh, I'm already like it just dawned to me too that that happened last week and I was just like, "Oh. Twice it oh, yeah. happened, man. Yeah, yeah, twice. Two, oh, good. Two times.
1: Um all right, let's run it back to quarterbacks. Uh, we kind of ran through some quarterbacks or you know, some of the reasons why, why we don't like some guys. Uh who is popping for us? though? Uh, Rich, your favorite quarterbacks this week in games we've yet to talk about? Yeah, it's interesting, this this slate in general.
2: I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is is one of the better quarterbacks uh, on this slate. Just he's been so safe, and the Eagles don't blitz uh, at all. So I just think that that plays into Rodgers' hands and strengths if you want to go there. He doesn't run, which is unfortunate. I like Tannehill a lot that we talked about earlier. I like Kirk cousins. Like Daigle said, I mean, the problem is that Kirk cousins is just like an ultimately always tough cash play. Like mm-hmm. we know, like it, he's just like, there's always that, that outcome where they throw 20 times, uh, you know, but they, they have been throwing the ball. Their defense is so bad that they're getting punched back on. That's, what's good. Uh, and that's what's mm-hmm. helping Kirk cousins of late. Uh, he has been a QB one score, three of his four games, four of his past six. Uh, he's second in the NFL in yards for completion, second in yards for pass attempt. Jacksonville does not rush the passer at any level. Uh, They're 31st in EPA as a pass defense. Uh, They're allowing 18.3 passing points per game. They'll have multiple passing touchdowns in five straight games. Um, The only thing is with, you know, with Cousins is always like that, that, that volume outcome. What do we get? I do think the Jaguars will punch back in this game, though. And the Jaguars have shown that they will punch back in games and at least keep them semi-competitive in terms of game script uh even though they lose all the time they're always trailing they seem (laughs) to always find a way james robinson always finds a way like this dude like you cannot fade james robinson like you just can't he's gonna get there uh it just doesn't matter um But, yeah, I do think that Kirk Cousins is interesting. Uh, I think it's a tournament play. I think Mitchell Trubisky is a good play. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, It's week one (laughs) callback when we we touted Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, 11.7% of Mitchell Trubisky's completions have gone for touchdowns. Only Aaron Rodgers has a higher rate in the NFL this season. He might not always complete passes, but when he does, they're typically for touchdowns. (laughs) Uh, In his past four meetings against the Lions, he's thrown three or more touchdowns in every single one of them, including week one and the Lions. Are bad, so I mean, listen. It, I, I'm I'm not going to give you any pushback if you tell me that touting Mitchell Trubisky is completely a donkey move. But uh, I think he's I think he's in in, play in tournaments.
3: I feel like we need to get Crane on the show because not only is Trubisky a tremendous <laughs> play, but my birthday is actually on Saturday, so it's the oh, perfect right. storm for Crane to show up and just ruin the show again. Like, was that his guy? Played, was it was Trubisky his guy? no he hated when Rich and i talked about oh, okay he
1: hated it. <laughs> rightfully so but and, i actually and, feel I also, like it this week too
3: i don't sell and i don't celebrate my birthday so he would always mention like he'd always ask me when my birthday is that way he mentioned it on the show and this week those two things combine. So like we do we do do like call oh, if ryan fitzpatrick something. starts too he's a vintage play. show
1: yeah, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, That's obviously, I have
3: written down. Is
1: it going to be Tua or is it going to be Fitzpatrick? What's Miami doing? Like, what's the – I know there was a report they were saying basically they want to see what they have in Tua because maybe they'll draft on our quarterback. You know, and there's this draft coming around. Of course, they also have a chance to make the playoffs. So, um, well, I guess there's no point in guessing. But if it's Fitzpatrick and not – is there any threat of him getting benched mid-game? I wouldn't think so, right? If it's Fitzpatrick is starting, it's just his game. There's,
3: I mean, they, they would only start him if Tua is still injured. And I would imagine there's no one else to go to. Like he wouldn't get benched because there's literally no one else to go to behind Tua. Also, like Fitzpatrick has just been good. Like last week, we kept asking ourselves, "Who who are the Dolphins going to lean to in the backfield?" They said, "Who cares." They threw three quarters to lead. They had 34 passes from Fitzpatrick to 10 running back carries. Even they don't give a damn. And since week two, Fitzpatrick has averaged 22 fantasy points per game in his six starts in that time. He's just been great. He's an easy double stack as well with uh, Devonte Parker and Mike Jasicki, even though they continue using Durham, Smythe and Adam Shaheen in the <laughs> red zone. And like, you can never tell which one between them and Jasicki scored the touchdown. It's always confusing, but uh, it's an easy double stack, and Patrick has been amazing. So I think he's also a really good start.
1: The uh, the Texans are the ones that trip me out. They're all like the same size, and number 13, number 17, number 18. I have no <laughs> clue who scores for the Texans. Oh, and also, we, I don't know if you heard the or not, uh, the Dolphins are playing the Bengals, which I think we should mention. Did we mentioned that? Or maybe I didn't hear it. But that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great matchup. The Bengals are horrific, obviously. Uh, and yeah, Trubisky loves himself some A-Rob, so I like that pairing as well. So I, I don't hate Trubisky this week. Also, it's a famous last words. What do you have for me? Yeah. Well, I said also I think Trubisky is in play because
2: everyone's already talking themselves into David Montgomery again. Yeah. Oh man.
1: <laughs> well, he had that one big run for like sixty yards, and then I guess he's back. I, don't I mean, know, I guarantee up. you
2: though, what's how how when you ran your lineups on both sides, how much uh-huh. David Montgomery showed up because uh, there are not a lot of cheap running back plays and. I already could see I already see it shaping up this week. Everyone's coming around to old Monty again.
1: You're gonna love this. Survey says uh, on Fan this is a good segue to to running backs. On FanDuel, again, these are optimal lineups with so just a little bit kind of, you know, variance tinkering and things like that, and things will change. But Montgomery, this is beautiful. Montgomery, <laughs> he's 59% the, the number one guy on Vandal, mm-hmm. and, and he's 65% on DK. And you're gonna mm-hmm. love him, the second the second guy is Frank Gore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: 2020,
1: is, baby. When I'm I said show, I don't like this slate. This is what I'm talking about. I don't Imagine how guys.
3: frustrating you would be watching the stack with Trubisky, Montgomery, and Robinson. <laughs> like the most pervading lineup in history this year.
1: Do I have to run it back with like Marvin Jones? Like, what do I do in the what am do I doing there? Ugh. Get Cole Komet involved. He out snap. Jimmy Graham. We got a full <laughs> Bears onslaught. Bears onslaught. All right. Uh, so other running backs. Uh, well, we kind of mentioned Dalvin Cook and passing. Obviously, he's a great play. If You guys want to say Dalvin? He's a good play against the Jaguars, right? Yes you like him, sure. Seems, seems decent. <laughs> uh, James Robinson's kind of, sort of, somewhat what we want uh, Christian McCaffrey to be, sort of, basically. Kind of, not exactly that, but as far as usage, he's out there basically every single play. Uh, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. And, and you know, Minnesota's not, not a scary team. And uh, interesting run back, I suppose. This is another situation where I think you can play, theoretically, both running backs in the same game. It's not like, you know, uh, the, the math-savvy play, but I don't think it's a terrible idea necessarily. Uh, so yeah, Rich, you want, uh, you want to complete your thought as far as James Robinson? You want to pivot to, we don't know about Josh Jacobs, uh, if he's going to play, if he's not going to play, and for what it's worth, the sites did preemptively, uh, bump up the prices of, of his backups. So there's really nothing to get excited about. Not too excited. Booker's five, five on DK, which is, you know, still fairly reasonable, but you know, not a lot to get excited about. And I think on Fanduel he's like six K or something. I don't know. It's, it wasn't great. I wasn't excited about it. Talk to you about Robinson. Anybody else you like here, Ebar? Yeah, I mean, this is
2: – we've had a, basically a cheapy running back for probably, I want to say, at least, you know, basically six, seven weeks running. I mean, even last week, we swallow the chalk with Gallman against the Bengals. You know, he gets in the box. Like, we don't really have a lot of those guys this week. So that's why we're getting back to, you know, David Montgomery, who had a big run in prime time. Uh, James Robinson's just a guy I think you want to root for, too. Like, I mean, he's got – you know, he's an undrafted rookie. He's 245 yards shy – of the undrafted rookie record from yards or scrimmage, he's got a really good shot at that. I would say in the next three three games, probably at the way he's working, he's got 94 yards from scrimmage or more in his past five games. He gets and it's in every spot. I mean, like, think about two weeks ago, he's facing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense that shut down so many people. They're 14 point dogs. They they only score three points in the game, and he still gets there. He still gets there. Uh, mm-hmm. You just get it. I mean, it, it's just, it's, you can't fade him. He has every backfield touch except for seven uh, a running <laughs> uh, carry uh, rushing attempt. He has every rushing carry out of the backfield except for seven this season, 97%, which is really unheard of. That actually would be an NFL record if it holds the rest of the season. Um, so, I mean, he just keeps getting there. Uh, they, his price has gone up a little bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. We talked about the bear side a little bit too, just, if Akeem Hicks is out, you know DeAndre Swift, because a lot of people forget the last time he played, uh, he was excellent again. Not a great spot against the Washington Football Team, who has was a w- really good defensive front too. Um, he's really good in the pass game as well, so he has an out. Uh, so if he's going to be a twenty-touch guy, uh, I think there's upside there uh, if Hicks is out. Uh, one guy I like this week already that I know that everyone hates uh, is Miles Sanders. Uh, he's coming off of the six, he bottomed out eight touches for 22 yards on Monday night. Uh, Doug Peterson has already answered a million questions on why they didn't give him the football more. But if you watch, they weren't running the ball anyways. So the thing about Miles Sanders that's interesting is so far, he has faced uh, seven teams that are in the top 12 uh, in rushing points out the backfields outside of the games that they faced the Philadelphia Eagles. He's had a gauntlet of a schedule so far on a team that doesn't have a good offensive line. Uh, now he's ha- got a game against the Green Bay Packers who don't care about stopping the run against anyone, including our boy Monty, uh, who had 100 yards last week. Uh, and they are 28th uh, in yardage allowed to running backs, and they've allowed nine uh, top 10 scoring se- weeks on the season. Uh, no one's going to want to play Miles Sanders. Uh, he's got like a tweener price, uh, but he still is a guy that has major upside. He was averaging 100 yards of scrimmage per game before Monday night uh, against that schedule that I laid out. Uh, their schedule's been a nightmare. It's a spot I think that he's going to be able to kind of bounce back, and I think Doug Peterson's going to swerve in the narrative of wanting to get him the ball after Monday night. Uh, so that's my hot take of the week.
1: All right, Johnson, running backs you like? Uh, and it, just a shout out to Robinson. He's like he's the captain of uh, running backs. Don't matter, right? The UDFA, like he's the guy everybody sort of you can sort of point to and just champion him. Uh, Austin Eckler came back last week. He was phenomenal, especially in the passing game. Uh, I, it looks like he took a hit as far as uh, Keenan Allen. I don't know if that's a small sample size thing, but it's definitely something to monitor going forward. That Allen might lose some of his targets if uh, you know Eckler becomes a thing. That you can't expect Eckler's going to catch. What do you have like ten or eleven balls
3: or something like that, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, he has 16, uh, sixteen targets, a thirty-one percent target share.
2: <laughs> well, we have two of the past three games where teams are really starting to heat up Justin Herbert. Like they're starting to send a lot of blitzes at Justin Herbert. And we've seen that kind of impact them two of the past three games. The first one was the Miami game. But teams are starting to get a little more creative. And that's why a lot of those dump-offs dump came. And obviously chasing points uh, as late they were in the game, you get a lot more opportunities to check down uh, because teams are playing more shell coverage. That's kind of what happened last week a little bit. But definitely two of the past three weeks, teams are really starting to to
1: send a lot of heat at Justin Herbert. Can we uh can we talk about that? I know like we care about fantasy and fantasy only, but uh Warren Sharp, sharp football analysis, Rich. Uh he tweeted out uh the the last drive. Oh my charges? Jesus. <laughs> what were the Chargers do? Well, Why I played a running? ton of
2: Eckler last week and he <laughs> it's funny as everyone was yelling because they shouldn't have run the ball off at Hail Mary, but I was like, please get in, Eckler. I'm like, just <laughs> like it, it was the, it was the dumbest play call ever because they lost like you know 25 seconds, but I was like Jake, get in, man. Get in. I didn't I didn't have Eckler,
3: <laughs> but I, I had the Chargers team total over 23 and a half. Oh. They were clearly at 17 at the goal line. And then uh, well, I bet they over two in a, that game. So it was trash. Yeah. They ran a running back carry, of course, with 20 seconds and no timeout. And then a quarterback a in which the offense dropped back <laughs> for pass pro and Herbert ran into the center's ass. It's an amazing so, yeah. gif. I, I
1: watched that like eight times. I just kept watching. It's just fascinating. Just watching a quarterback sneak with everybody's dropping back for pass protection. All right, John, somebody backs you like.
3: Uh, not too many. Rich brought up a lot of the cheap ones, not Miles Sanders. Uh, I did not expect that one coming on Mitchell Trubisky week, but here we are, 2020. Uh, Austin Eckler is one we just talked about who was on my list. And then the only other one really is Chris Carter. Carlos. Carlos Hyde out snapped him 45 to 21. But I think this is a player I actually want of his usage because he just outright looked better. He performed better than Carlos Hyde. And if they truly do want to stop letting Russ cook and get running backs involved more as they did in that game, then it's going to be Carson moving forward as it was at the beginning of the year. So I like Chris Carson a lot this week.
1: All right, John, open up the receivers for us. Uh, one of the guys that's popping for us, and I guess we didn't, we didn't talk about, uh, the New Orleans situation, much as far as Taysom Hill, as far as quarterbacks, you mentioned, we kind of mentioned him in passing, but uh, I think he's still definitely in play. It's weird that you're kind of like banking on two rushing touchdowns. That's hard to kind of sort of bank on. He's uh, going to play a second game against Atlanta in the dome once again, and you know Michael Thomas, John, is priced down enough to the point where I, I guess you can justify playing him and. Last week was a weird game where their opponent, they scored, once they were up like 7 nothing the game was over. It was just an absolute disaster, and they realized they didn't have to pass the ball at all. Uh, Taysom should be pushing the ball a little bit more. Now it will be out of the cold, into the dome. you got to cheat Michael Thomas. Feel free to retroactively talk about Taysom Hill. Maybe I just missed it, uh, and then talk well, about
3: the Michael Thomas. Well, a lot of things didn't work there because Thomas does have a 46% target share the past two games from <laughs> Taysom Hill. The issue is that... In this six-score laying the wood on the Raiders that the Falcons somehow did, um, Matt Ryan still averaged 4.7 yards per attempt. Like, that offense was horrible without mm-hmm. Julio Jones. As expected, they just benefited from Carr fumbling twice inside the 20 and they just turned the ball around and scored like a touchdown to Brandon Powell and others. So that's not a matchup I actually want to target because the Falcons' defense also – and terrific the past month like they really have turned it around um the defense yeah and so i i don't really think i'll be playing anyone in that game and it'd usually be a buy low spot for camara but of course we know the the three targets i believe he has also negative two receiving yards the past two games mm-hmm. as well so Although it looks like a sneaky shootout, I think the over-under is currently 45-and-a-half, and that sort of makes sense because the game environment just doesn't add up for a high-scoring game.
1: All right, some receivers you do like, if not uh, Michael Thomas so much that New Orleans-Atlantic game, you're expecting it. Maybe 46 is about the right number. Uh, who's jumping for you from a receiving perspective?
3: A few cheap guys, actually. Uh, Keelan Cole, if you don't want to go James Robinson or run back. Rich mentioned earlier, two – missed touchdowns pretty much from Mike Glennon, but also ran a route on a hundred percent of Glenn's dropback. So he's on the field as a starting wideout every single play. So I think he's a terrific option because we are pretty sure they're going to put up points on Minnesota. Like if the Cowboys could do it, then of course the Jaguars can do it. Anybody can do it. And then Denzel Mims, I, I still think he <laughs> has to have some touchdown regression coming um, as many end zone targets as Brashad Perryman, since Jamison Crowder returned has seen at least seven targets in every game except one, that Chiefs game where the Jet starters got got benched as well in a blowout um, and since he came back from injured reserve. Uh, and it stuck around, eight targets, as many as Perriman with Sam Darnold under center as well. So I, I just have to th- – I think there's a game here that Mems explodes, and, of course, against the Raiders is one he could.
1: Yeah, uh, he's still fairly cheap as well. And I, I should ask him, we don't know what's Wednesday, Wednesday night, but if Shark and Cole are both back, that's a pretty severe hit. Uh, I'm sorry, if uh, Shark and Conley are both back, that's a pretty severe hit on Cole, I would imagine.
3: Correct. Um, The last time we saw Conley out, Cole was the one who popped, but also he returned to kick for some extra fantasy juice in that (laughs) game. But with both Shark and Cole out, Colin Johnson, of course, benefited. He had a big play. Um, One of my favorite prospects, too, while he was in college as well. But Keelan Cole, still the guy going overlooked for DFS, even though the usage was there. So that's how I would play it.
1: All right, Rich. Uh, Your thoughts on anybody that that was thrown out there by John? Uh, Minnesota, we presume. We think that Thielen's going to be back this week. Hammond Jefferson should be good to go there against Jacksonville. Metcalf is just absolutely insane uh, against the Giants. Uh, anybody else? Any thoughts on those guys? those guys? Those guys are kind of popping from a projection perspective, uh, thoughts on those guys or anybody want to, you know, throw them in a conversation. Yeah. I wish, I wish Lockett
2: would get priced down, but he just doesn't, uh, get priced down. Uh, cause you know, this is definitely a signal. Like the giants have really struggled against guys that can operate on the interior. Uh, they've given him some really big games to guys that, that are on that level. So, I mean, it would have been a game for, for, I think to go and lock it, but he's, he's still so expensive. Uh, you're getting no freebies on, on him. I like if Shark plays. I love DJ Shark, uh, and and try to figure out just who is the wide receiver one with Jacksonville outside of him. I mean, Minnesota's a lot of league high twelve touchdowns to opposing wide receiver ones this season. Um, they they can be had. Uh, I mean, the secondary is so beat up and it's so inexperienced. Um, we didn't even talk about him in the game that we had, but uh, Corey Davis is uh, yeah. super cheap. I mean, Corey Davis is is it has been legitimately a good player. In the year of 2020, of course, Corey Davis is is good to go. Uh, you know, contract your Corey. Um, I mean, the thing <laughs> about Corey Davis was he was always just miscast. He was never a guy even that though I thought, like, coming out was a guy that was an alpha. He was always a guy I thought was going to be better next to an alpha, and that's kind of what we're seeing play out. You know, the emergence of A.J. Brown has made him good. He's always one of these tweeners. He was, like, a tweener-sized guy. Uh, he went to a small school and put up a bunch of production, you know, because he had a bunch of opportunity. Um, but you know, his, his like size profile is literally kind of a tweener. He's more of like a, a one B guy and it's kind of. Where his strengths are and he's playing better football playing next to an alpha wide receiver and this brown secondary is so banked up uh we didn't even talk about him but i think he's a really good play I think he's 5-1 on dk six on uh fan duel uh, a little bit better in the full ppr uh, because aj brown is such a target uh monster a uh, touchdown monster uh, but he's a really good play i think as well uh alan robinson you talk about him he's a good play uh if you want to punt uh, darnell mooney <laughs> Uh, and his Prairie Yards. If you want some prayer Yards in your lineup this week, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that he fits that bill. But, uh, yeah. And then the Vikings guys, too, just because we yeah. always say, just because the Dalvin Cook is so chalky in another great spot as a home favorite, it's a bad defense. I mean, the leverage goes, again, to the Vikings passing game. And they've been a good play uh, in a few of these weeks here, especially last week when you go to them. I mean, obviously everyone got on Jefferson as the week progressed because Thielen wasn't out when we did this show last week uh at the uh, by wednesday but i think both these guys are in play Thielen even missing the game last week still leads the nfl in end zone targets uh with 15 uh talking about another secondary it's banged up we don't know if sydney jones is gonna play cj henderson on our uh, dj hated uh on ir like they're just really beat up at this point in the season uh and the and you said it's a direct pivot from the popular dalvin cook
3: that's i mean that's the leverage in this slate. The Vikings are implied to score two more points than the Titans, the next closest team on the main slate. Like that's the number one offense in this slate. So figuring out Dalvin Cook or double stacking Kirk Cousins with the obvious options, that's what you're trying to do and Friday Kyle and Rudolph. Night. If
2: if think yeah. if uh what does if yeah. oh. doesn't play Kyle Kyle Rudolph has been solid. Uh he's not much of a fan play. I know the chat is gonna get on us for that again, but uh, you know, he, he you look at his two games without Irv, and he's been a really solid PPR guy, especially for his price. And he only went up, I think, to three four uh on DK. So he's three
1: like, two. Oh, I'm two. sorry. Two. Yeah. He was two eight. No, he's three four. I was reading Herb Smith's price for some reason. Yeah, you were correct. Three, four, but I mean, you need
2: up. Irv out, so you have to just stick yeah. a pin in that throughout the week and see if Irv's out. He's got two different injuries, though, a groin and a back injury, uh, so keep eyes on that.
1: Hey, you know, just as a general, like the Raiders last week were was my worst decision. Uh, it was a good week for me overall because I, had, I landed on a really nice lineup uh, on FanDuel, but the Raiders, I had a lot of Carr. Uh, he was an absolute disaster. He couldn't hold to the ball. This seems like a good bounce-back spot against the Jets, Rich. Um, we don't know about Jacobs, if he's going to play, if he's not going to play, but General thoughts, I think we can go back to Carr. Is he fine, or is he just sort of like – Full know, fade. Full, he had a baby this week. I'm, I'm oh. out, man. He, they had a baby. No sleep. <laughs> I'm,
2: like, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to play. Like, there's no way, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The baby narrative, usually the baby narrative is the other way. People say they get excited, they're going to hit a home run for their baby, or they're going to throw a touchdown for their baby. You're, you're, you're saying that uh, – I, I mean, I have to thing. wonder if that played a part –
2: listen, I'm going to roll – swerve into the narrative and say that probably played a role in why he played so bad last week too. It was the worst game as a pro at like most turnovers in his career. The baby was born the day after. So, like, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm, I think that there's definitely a lot in play here. But uh, I'm not playing anyone that had a baby during the week.
1: Fair enough. I, I like that stand. Uh but wait. We mentioned on FanDuel. This is the last week. Uh, Devin's gonna go ahead and drop the information in the chat for you guys. What's up, YouTube? Like and subscribe, hit all the buttons, smash all the buttons. You know what to do. We do appreciate that. It does keep the lights on here at Roto grinders Uh yeah, last week for the single entry series, there's three different buy-in levels: five dollars, thirty-three dollars, hundred dollars. People are always asking. We need more single entry contests. This is I'm telling you, it's the first thing I enter on FanDuel every single week. I made a run at the hundred dollar one last week, guys. Oh, if Antonio Brown could have caught like one pass, it would have been a lot of fun. But uh, we we made the board. Uh, we made been top ten, not six or seven or something like that. This is the week we got to close strong. Uh, of course, there's added value because at the end, the top two finishers in each tier, the three dollar, I'm sorry, the five dollar, the thirty three dollar, the hundred dollar tier, uh, get themselves uh, into a six man twenty thousand dollar contest. Added value. All right. Uh, also, we want to mention, hey, if you want to use the uh, the RT tools, get yourself some core four, Uh football, baseball, basketball, golf course basketball right around the corner uh the link is gonna be dropped in chat five dollars off for that as well your first month of court for here at rotorgriders.com all right we always like to close strong here and that's why we're going (laughs) with tight ends uh we sort of kind of referenced that throughout the show darren waller seems just overpriced but he is playing the jets and in theory he could separate himself from the bunch but and i think richie's had some splash games but for the most part most of his games are pretty meh especially when you Mm -hmm. look at the asking price what are we doing with yeah, him, uh, and ha- that- him and hit Him and Hawkinson are two guys where it's just
2: like their price. Just, I mean, they're solid players, but like at the in this tight end economy, man, like who wants to pay <laughs> seven, six K for those guys? Like, you're gonna get 50 yards, and if they don't score a touchdown, like, what are you really getting? I mean, put that in a different position. That's kind of where we know Travis Kelsey on the main slate. It's mm-hmm. really easy not to get buried again. Uh, I mean, you could say Waller is a great matchup, but it's a Jets, and he does. Um, but like him and Hawkins, I mean, you know, now we have this thing with Goddard. It looks like Ertz is going to play. So, you know, that's kind of a bummer, uh, kind of because he's been playing really well the past two weeks. He's finally got yeah. going. Um, but I mean, I really think it really comes down to those three guys we talked about earlier monitoring those injury situations. Well, Akins doesn't have an injury to monitor, but monitoring the injury of Irv Smith and monitoring the injury to Johnny
1: Smith and seeing if we could play Anthony Ferkser <laughs> and Kyle Rudolph. Gasecki's kind of sort of somewhat interesting as well. You sort of mentioned him in passing. Uh, oh, I, I want Fitz back there throw to him. I don't want Tua thrown to him. I think he's a little more interesting fits Fitz. Uh, what do you have for me, John, as far as uh, some potential tight ends? Who, who's, a? Uh, I mean, could you sell me anybody else
3: that we haven't mentioned yet? Because it's pretty uh, it's pretty lame as far as the options. We've talked about the injury situations. I honestly just think you correlate it with your offense. You didn't have to on Thanksgiving any short slates, but in the main slate. You just, you just find double stacks with that. That's the only reason I played Gronk as an ancillary option in a total we liked so much last week, is because it just fit with the lineup, plus it fit with the stack. Um, that's all I've been doing weekly, and I think you can do it again. If you want a cheap one-off, I have Jordan Reed in my pool. Um, 25 routes last week to Dorley's 10. He has been the full-time player, and the Bills have allowed the seven most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Having said that also, if Brandon Ayuk returns, which it looks like he's going to, that could ruin Reed's target share. He's seen six targets in back-to-back games. So honestly, let the injuries play out till Friday. Uh, Correlate it with the rest of your lineup and that's just how you should treat it.
1: It's kind of sad when you're like, man, I wish Jordan Reed was in the main slate. He's on the he's on the showdown slate on Monday night, or possibly in the two games. Oh, is he?
3: Oh, de- yeah. well, Don't <laughs> listen to me, then. Just correlate it. <laughs> no
1: worries. Hey, let, let me ask you this. Uh, listen, Detroit man, Week
3: Twelve was long.
1: Yeah, oh, I understand. It's the longest week I think we've ever had on the record. Uh Detroit, right? Uh, new new coach. Do we expect anything different? We talked about Hawkinson, or it's like maybe Swift all of a sudden is 100 the man. They, they sit, you know, Peterson, or is clearly separated from him. Uh, Or it's just going to be the same old lions? Do we have any thoughts and inclinations on a Wednesday night? Both teams have covered
2: this this year that have fired a coach. They've come back and covered the week after. Uh, The problem is, it looks like Kenny Galladay is not going to play again. Mm. Uh, You know, he didn't practice today, and like we say, it's Wednesday. You know, come on or but he didn't practice again today. Mm. Uh, and this offense without Kenny Galladay, uh, you know, they might, it looks like I'll probably get DeAndre Swift back, which is a bonus, but I mean, without Kenny Galladay back and David had Danny Amendola, like it's literally Marvin Jones, Marvin Hall, Quintez Cephas. Like it's just not
1: a lot to work with. It's hard to get excited for sure. And I prefer if I'm, yeah, you know, I want Stafford throwing the ball in a dome if I can get it. And that Chicago Bears defense is not necessarily something I'm looking to pick on. And the whole thing looks like a mess. And that's, a lot of the games look like just kind of messy to me, and even the games that are quote unquote appealing are kind of messy. Trying to figure out who's going to do what. So yeah, it should be a good uh. Be a good so good betting, game we- betting unders, betting unders in the 2020 season has kind of
2: been uh, you know the full gold, but uh, I feel like this definitely has
1: the look of a low-scoring fantasy week. Have yeah. you locked in anything yet, or is uh you kind of wait, or how, how do you do that? Because like the lines obviously come out early in the week. Do you like the pounce, or do you like to like see where things sort of settle? um i cannot so i can't use the sports books in
2: ohio i go through i have a local uh bookie uh that i go to so uh (laughs) uh, typically at the yep old flat old school baby old school we're exchanging cash uh (laughs) that's how it rolls but uh yeah that's that's my situation here in uh in ohio fair enough john you have thoughts on that I do you want
3: to jump in on something no i mean i bet on monday i bet really early, but also. Uh, I do it a little different way that I don't want to discuss on air. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, move, we'll move on. One <laughs> thing right, one
1: I, I got people left about,
2: and, you know, a guy I work with, Cleve T.A. on the Sharp Angles podcast from a betting side, uh, you know, he has talked to him a few times that, like, typically, you know, to get early lines has been the play, but this season with COVID news – it's almost hurt you a lot of times, Get you know, getting on some of these early games because the COVID news can also hurt you throughout the week. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's 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 kind of a double-edged sword this season, but typically, you know, you want the best of a number, which is typically early. Uh, like if you had the Chiefs last week and opened at three, that hook got you. Uh, so that one helped you. But, I mean, if you had the Browns, you know, you got screwed, you know, throughout the week, uh, you know, some other teams, the Colts. Uh, so, I mean, you got to – it's like a little bit different this year, but uh, just get a bookie, man.
1: Get a bookie. <laughs> you go old school. I love. If you learn anything from this show, like don't forget about the plays, <laughs> what, what game to stack. Get a bookie. There you go. Well, we'll that, get, that, bookie's
3: advice. got bin now out too. It's pretty sweet. Oh
1: yeah, man. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I don't have one. I feel like I'm missing out. I know a guy who lives in a legal, you know, legal place and whatever, whatever. If I need to, but uh yeah, I, I feel like I should. have a little throwback. I find myself a bookie for sure. If you guys are in the South <laughs> Florida area. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Uh, We finished strong, I suppose. Sure, why not? George Costanza will be proud. we got to step aside and get out of here. This was the NFL Pick 6 show. Of course, if you guys aren't aware, two of the brightest minds in all fantasy football. John Daigle, you go first. Tell them where they can find you.
3: At NotJDaigle, Rotoworld.com, Rotoworld Football Podcast. Also, find me uh, behind the scenes apologizing to Devin because I just saw he sent me an email that said my camera's been messed up. So (laughs) that's where you can find me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's week 13. The Devon will be fine. The chat's That's fine. True. I'm sure they'll be okay. Uh, well, what do you have for rich? Tell people where they can find you.
2: Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com every week with you guys. Uh, shout out my wife, uh, 14 years today. Uh, Jennifer, uh, 14 oh, yes. years today. She ma- married in December, so we don't uh, – and this year there's no chance to do anything cool. Uh, but, you know, it
1: is our wedding anniversary today. Congratulations. There you go. All right. Uh, We did end strong. There you go. We did it. That's John. (laughs) That's John Daigle. That's Rich Rebar. I'm Dean. This was the Rotor Runners NFL Pick Six Show. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Holler.